over the top was sumptuous, and Sanchez's skills were sublime. Oh, Rodman! Rodman! The number two pick scores for the Spirit! And the This is Annie Elliott, back once again on Hey Spirits, and I have with me, as always, Andre Carlisle and Joe Dabney. How are you both? Definitely not as bad as it could be. Not, <laughs> not, I feel like this is positive I can be today. Um, I'm good. I'm just, it's probably is a foreboding and terrible sign for me personally, but I'm, I'm already a little tired, uh, and I'm about to get a lot more tired, so we'll see what happens. So we are here to talk primarily about um, the Spirits game on Saturday, which uh, was a Challenge Cup game. Possibly the one good thing about it, it was not a regular season game uh, against against North Carolina Courage, in which the Spirit lost zero to six. I think that is their worst ever scoreline. Um, <laughs> my review is that it was uh, bad. It was a very bad game. Uh, not not good. Not a lot of positives to take from it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I guess just to start, what, what do you, what did you think? What happened? I, I do want to start by saying it could have been a lot worse. Like, I don't want to take away from the fact that the spirit are missing a lot of players, starters. So like, it could have been worse. And I think this is me trying to be positive, but like it, it definitely could have been worse. Biggest takeaway I was really relieved when the game finally ended, and that's all I'm going to say. Very relieved. There was a lot that just didn't click, clearly a lot that didn't happen for the spirit, I guess. But yeah, I was relieved when it ended. <laughs> relieved when it ended is uh, is probably how a lot of people felt. And if it could have been, you, I don't know if any of you remember the, uh, the African Cup of Nations match where the ref just called the game at like the 85th minute. Um, I love using that meme and if I could have used it like and made it like real I probably would have been like all right that's enough like we're, we're done 70 minutes in it's fine like things aren't going well uh too well, okay so yes the scoreline sucked it was very bad it was not good my problem w- was and I chatted with uh Parsons a bit uh, Mark Parsons a bit before the game in the pre-match presser and we kind of went a little bit back and forth about teams that are able to dominate possession in the NWSL. Um, it is a very hard thing to do because it is such a transitional league and you have so many like hyper athletes on the pitch. Every single team has them and they don't stop running. We kind of see glimpses of that when we do these preseason European tours, the Houston dash like short circuited Barcelona, Barcelona, right? And yes, preseason, all that caveats, but it's just hard to face that and to play your game. And my, thing was that North Carolina has seemingly figured out how to dominate possession in this league and that's hard to do and so Parsons said it's not necessarily hard you know there are some other teams that can do it and I was like yeah but they're all like great you know he was talking about like an OL rain teams of being of great the North Carolina courage game uh, teams that dominated even though the Chicago Red Stars didn't didn't get a championship from it they were still in multiple championship games and were one of the best teams in the league for for a long time um, we're ignoring for the, for now the shittiness of many of those coaches. Okay, just style of play. This is what happens in the 
to me, credit to the players. Um, and I didn't necessarily think that North Carolina were on that level just yet, this new iteration of North Carolina, but they might be. Um, they're getting very close. That was kind of scary. They always know where one another is going to be. They move in unison. So that's hard to track. Um, they build up in different ways. So it's not always the same couple things that are happening. So you can't really like key in on phases of play or, or patterns. Um, yeah, it was a little scary. Having said that, up until a half hour in, we were good until a half hour in. Like I feel like Paige Mateer probably had one of the best chances, a header that just missed. Um, I think there was another chance. Maybe Lena, Lena Solano had a chance. I believe it was a, it was a, it wasn't like a very low quality XG chance, but I think it was blocked. And had it not been blocked, it probably had a chance to test the goalkeeper. So, like, yeah, I think there were some issues. Obviously, North Carolina had some chances on their own too, but the Spirit were largely doing well to handle them. Blocked a few shots, but uh, after the 60th minute, all hell broke loose, and it was bad, real, real bad. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right that the whole game was not out of the Spirit's control. I mean, the, I think this, the shot you're talking about from Lena Solano was the first shot on target all game from either side. Um, I think the Spirit had a pretty strong start to that second half. Um, and it, you know, <laughs> I don't know if this is giving them credit or not, but it did seem like, you know, they got that first goal against them and panicked. And it was because it was, uh, what, 23 minutes that those six goals were scored in. So they just could not get back on top of things, which is a problem. I mean, it's good that they had parts of the game where they were working together. I think they still overall, I mean, there were communication problems and, and I know, you know, our world cup players are gone missing seven players, but North Carolina was missing five, including a lot of their starters, their starting goalkeeper. And to me, it kind of raises some concerns about, I mean, obviously there, there's a depth issue on the spirit right now that hopefully some new players coming in will fix, but also just like, is this system working for the team right now? Like, are they adapting to it? And is it allowing them to have enough structure when they don't have the stars to rely on? And I, I think that's my big kind of concern coming out of this. Kind of adding to that, because it just made me think of it as soon as you said it. I wonder if, like, if the system does work for them, like individually, we have heard the players say that they do like it and they really believe in it. But has anyone considered if it's an adaptable system? Like maybe it's a, maybe it suits them, but maybe it doesn't suit players that are coming in and it doesn't suit the team if players are leaving, which is also like a big question because they knew the World Cup was coming and they knew how many players or they suspected how many players would be leaving. So did they just not consider that when they introduced the system? Did they just not care? I don't know. And if it doesn't work with players coming in and players leaving, will it work when those national team players come back? Because like the start of the season was really good. And like you could tell that the system was working and the players really liked it. So if it doesn't work when players leave and come back, how will it work after the World Cup? Not to bring up more questions, but it's definitely something on top of my mind now. My reaction to that is, and and it is a very good question. It kind of, I I was asking myself too, even though he changed the system a little bit, it was more of a 4-2-3-1 than a a 4-2, than a, what was it? The 4-4-2 diamond that we were uh, used to so much. Um, And he has gone 4-3-3 in a couple of matches before. More than the formation for me, because I think that 
the formation is kind of, you kind of use the formation to put players in positions where they're most comfortable, but it's really the principles of how they're moving, how they're interacting with one another, what they're doing. My biggest problem with the system, I think, and this has yielded good results, like you both have said, early in the season and even towards the middle of the season. Started to go downhill a bit before the break, um, and now we come back from the break and we have this. My biggest concern with this system is that is a defensive first system. So we really look to disrupt and destroy more than we look to create. So when we have the ball, there's not like, and this is where I think they really run into issues, not having Sullivan, not having Ashley Sanchez, not having Trinity Rodman, is you get the ball to one of those and they figure it out, right? You just, you pass the ball around until Ashley Sanchez opens up and you can get the ball to her. Or you pump it long in, into a channel or something and you get either uh, Hatch or Rodman to run onto it, usually Rodman because she's pretty much quicker than everybody else. Um, and that to me is where the attack came from. When you don't have that, now you have to like use the ball yourself to manufacture chances. The spirit throughout the season has not been great at doing that. And they weren't probably expected to be great doing that when Sanchez and Rodman are gone. And so to me, that's been a bit of the issue. And I, I, I understand going defense first. It's very important in this league. Uh, but you have to also be able to figure things out offensively. Like, I'm not going to lie. I found myself getting a little jealous. I found myself getting a little jealous at the way that North Carolina was moving the ball, how their team moved when they had possession. They had wide open players and they knew how to get the ball to them. We don't ever seem to have that. Um, and I got a little jealous watching the game on Sunday too with um, Gotham and Orlando. Both teams seem to be pretty good at doing that. Um, well, Orlando seemed to be pretty good at doing that. Gotham seemed to be like they're improving through the system that they've implemented there. And they're able to find people. Like, I think I've been angry at, at Jen and I swung her playing left back so much because I think she's really an exceptional attacking midfielder. But they're able to find her unmarked routinely coming in from cutting in from the left. And she's very good. You put her in that position anytime and she's going to be dangerous. And it just doesn't seem like we have those set structures yet. And it could be new team, new personnel, but defense first works until it doesn't <laughs> and now it's not and we don't really have anything else to fight back with and that's that's becoming obvious and a little bit concerning yeah I mean I agree there's been a, a big lack of creativity in the attack but I, I mean as you were just saying that I know Mark Parsons has often said oh, our first thing is we're going to be you know hard to beat and it's an interesting contrast because I, I remember before the season started, he said what he wanted from this team was attack, attack, attack. And I, I wonder if we're just not seeing that, or if, he, if he changed the plan or if it's just not really coming together the way it was intended. Because I, I think he repeated that multiple times in the interview you had with him, Andre, it was just attack, attack, attack. And, and it's not uh, not quite there. So that's an interesting one because, yeah, I got excited about that. But, you know, throughout that conversation, he really let me know what he meant by attack, attack, attack. Basically, attack the ball. Win the ball back. That's kind of what he meant by attack. Well, manufacture chances if we can get those high turnovers and get them to players like Sanchez and Rodman. Well, we're not really getting the high turnovers. And when we do, 
who's around, like, what are we doing to recycle possession, to escape the counter press, to find an open player for that quick, easy chance, especially without the most creative players that the spirit have right now. It's hard. It's hard to do. So I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm bashing on the coaching too much, but the asks of the team at this particular moment, given what's kind of been, what they've been taught to kind of hold on to and do, it works. They'll get, they'll win the ball back. Like, like we said, the first hour of the match was pretty even, you know, they were not really letting, you know, even though North Carolina had a lot of the ball, they weren't creating chances. You know, there were some moments where the spirit did some good things defensively, you know, um, making sure that crosses inside the box were cleared, um, stopping players from being able to get the ball in, in dangerous positions. But then North Carolina figured it out and you didn't really have the ability to then respond with anything. And that's kind of been the the process throughout or the way the games have gone recently post break and pre break too. So I'm like, I don't know what you do now, except uh, work on attacking structures because you, you kind of need that. I think the team's got the defensive part, which is a funny thing to say after losing 6-0, <laughs> but I think it was their ability to not fight back on the in the attacking end because goals change games. If you get a goal in one of those 60 minutes, a goal or two, that's not a 6 nothing loss, not just because the nothing has changed, but the whole game state changes, the dynamic of the game changes. And, you know, once North Carolina got one and two, they were just flying and they had a, I mean, their XG was not all that high. It was just over two, but they got six goals from it in 23 minutes. That's what a team like that can do in a short period of time and given some sort of confidence boost and the spirit were just on the wrong end and could not respond. I'm 100% okay with coach bashing, but that being said, <laughs> I do 100% believe that in the quote, like defense wins championships. And I do believe the defense was pretty solid given like what was happening. And they have said like the players themselves and what we've seen and how we've seen it, they're just not super quick to adapt in game, second half, whatever it is in the middle of a play, they're just not quick to adapt. And you'd think this far into the season, something would cause that shift. Like if you have a solid defense, but no one can score, then like, what good is your defense if the other team can score and their defense is a little shaky? Something there, like I know we were like talking a whole bunch like the past few weeks about their passes, this and that, and a few more people need to get involved with scoring, but like maybe they should just focus more on being able to adapt end game. So that way, if any wild scenario like this game happens, they could, they could be a little more, I don't want to say sturdy, and I don't want to say better because it wasn't really a bad game. It was just like a, oh shit, this just keeps happening. But they they could have more under their belt to say that this was not just truly terrible. Yeah, you know what's actually funny about the whoever said defense wins championships never coached in the NWSL. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> it's kind of my takeaway from it is because sometimes it doesn't. And I think we've seen even in last year's champion. Kansas City came in with a great defensive record and Portland said, that's cute. We have Sophia Smith. That's you're going to lose. And they did. And I think we've seen throughout the history of the league. I talked about North Carolina before they were North Carolina Courage. It was Western New York Flash. Same type of deal. They were high flying, very intense scoring. Now, obviously, there were some things that they did defensively to win the ball back often. 
which is kind of the foundation I think Parsons wants to implement. But I think I almost feel like you have to do them in tandem. And yes, this is hindsight, <laughs> clearly, because, you know, the last couple of games haven't been great. But Portland Thorns scored a lot. Those FCKC games were great. Like those teams were, were great. They flew around. They scored goals. Portland Thorns won in the inaugural year. Like, yeah, defense kind of wins champion, which is actually funny. You know, the one time I think defense wins championships was actually applicable was when the Spirit won the championship because both teams kind of got there with their defense. And it just so happened to be that, like, we had Trinita Robin and they didn't. Uh, and that's what ended up mattering in the end. But both teams were very, very stubborn uh, and figured out how to figure things out defensively and also, but also get the goals. Remember in those playoff runs, Ashley Sanchez coming up with craziness to get goals and uh, and and same thing with Rodman. So, yeah, I I don't know. I know I, I try to check my bias because I always want to see an attacking team. Always, always want to see a high flying attacking team because that's like, that's why I watch the sport. But I know the other side is important. But in this case, like I've kind of run it through my filter. Like, are you just being super biased? And it's like, maybe a little. But also, I think it's important to find balance in the approach. I feel like I should petition so the whole quote can be changed. Like, defense wins championships, but not if you don't score. Just so we can, like, make Correct. it clear. It doesn't apply to every sport. Because, like, like what you said made sense. And I do want to double down that if you have a great defense, but you can't score, like, you can't really expect to win. You expect to have a good game, but, like, a good game doesn't equate to a win. That was amazing. <laughs> we'll just wait for her to come back. Only happens with this app. It doesn't happen with the other one, to be honest. I don't okay. know. Well, that's good to know. I mean, maybe maybe we'll change, but uh, it's fine. You can pick up with, because uh, mm, anyway. we only heard your, it, it. this isn't the, and then it cut out, so you can just start. I'll change tack. Um, another thing that I, th- I think we've been concerned about, and that I am even more maybe concerned about than I was, is the passing accuracy. Because that's not something that this system should interfere with, in my opinion. And I think it's been fairly low, um, low compared to the rest of the league. And I don't think we've seen consistent improvement. Um, And I think that was a lot of the problem in the first half of this game um, was just an inability to link up on passes. I mean, I think there was 69% passing accuracy overall, which isn't great. Um, I was kind of looking forward to the inevitable Nicole Douglas sub in at the 10 because as much energy and kind of bruiser status as Chloe Ricketts provides it, I think Nicole Douglas is a little bit of a better passer at this point. So I was hoping she could kind of create some chances, but I think by the time she finally got in, it was a little too late. Um, but I, that, that really is something I'd like to see them work on. It's just knowing where each other is, each other are, I don't, I don't know how you make that work grammatically. Um, and just, making good smart passes sometimes they get pressured into bad passes and sometimes it just seems like they don't have an idea of who's going to be around them or they're not getting in the right spaces for each other and I just I mean that speaks to lack of teamwork and coordination and also just a little bit of bad form with the passing it's interesting you brought that up do you know where the spirit are and this uh, this accounts, are they high this accounts for the regular season only but still I think point made because there's been quite a few games and it's not like they're a very different team in, in these different competitions. Would you like to guess where the Spirit are in their completion percentage? I'm worried you're going to prove me wrong. Um, <laughs> so no. <laughs> you are not going to be proven wrong at all. They're dead okay, last. good. Yeah. 
dead last at the bottom. 68.4% is the average completion percentage. Uh, that is a whole percentage point lower than the Houston Dash, who are at 696 The Courage, meanwhile, are at the top, 799 They're at 80%, basically, when you round up. Um, another unfortunate part of this, too, is that, like, yes, that's a problem, but it also becomes even worse when you look at total, like, some of the pass attempts. The Spirit don't have a ton of pass attempts. Everybody else is over, let me, give me a second, 6,000. The Courage are over 8,000. The Thorns are over 7,000 attempted passes throughout the regular season. The Spirit are at 5,600. So they are about 500 passes lower than the Houston Dash, and their percentage and accuracy is very low. And even that short amount of passes, that's a bit Yeah, so I I mean, I know some of that is that they, they're not even really trying to be a possession team but you can still be accurate. And <laughs> I, I know per, Persons has talked about this before, that when they play as individuals, you know, they, they don't play as well as when they play as a team. And I think he kind of alluded to that after this match, that he thought they had been kind of trying to pull off individual performances. But there's got to be something they can change to have fewer of those games where they're not acting as a team and passing accurately. And I would really like to see that. To add on to that, like just thinking back on it, all of their best matches, all of the games that we all really loved had the better passes. Like they weren't the best, but from comparing them to the games that happened right before them, they were better. So like, yeah, maybe they should work on that. Maybe they should, I don't know. <laughs> it's, I can't believe it's that low though. That's insane. Well, I mean, I think the other problem is it's it's really a, it's a profile issue, right? Like the the players that we have have been, selected pretty obviously because of their defensive efforts and abilities more so than their creativity or their ability to hold possession, be some sort of metronome, be whatever you need to be in the midfield. Um, a lot of our passing creativity comes from Sam Staub. She's a center back. <laughs> She's a great one, but I don't know if you want her as your primary kind of chance creator or most, con I won't say primary because that's not necessarily the case the most consistent chance creator. And I think that she is not just because she plays every game, which is wild, uh, but because that's what we really utilize her. Think about what was that move that we had with, um, with the own goal in the game that we, was it against San Diego? Yeah, San Diego. Yeah. That whole move started because basically Sam Staub from the left center back position hit a very long diagonal pass from the defensive part to just almost just about very close to the attacking third and then the whole move was started but we haven't really seen anything like that kind of happen certainly not on a consistent basis from the midfielders and I almost feel like it's rough it's it's tough to blame them because that's not really Paige Mateo's specialty she's a ground cover she's a ball winner same with Jarena she's a ball winner that's what we talked about her when they signed her that her profile over the past couple of years in the French league has been she goes and wins the ball. She's aggressive. She gets into a lot of duels. That's great. When we have Andy Sullivan, she's a good passer as well, you know, and, and they're missing that. So I think it's almost like if people want to know what Andy Sullivan does, you can maybe look at the spirit without her. <laughs> Definitely. Here's something that wasn't even on our outline to discuss today because I'm a fool. Uh, could it help the spirit if they had, say, two solid experienced, talented midfielders returning to play. Could that help them? I think it might. Oh, 
Interesting, interesting. I think it would definitely make a difference. You know, maybe say like a like a Bailey Feist type, <laughs> who's very very good at passing, who just came off the DE forty five injury list. Yes, yes, love that. So amazing. You know, we answered the question last time that we didn't know when Tori Houston would be back. She could be back any day. She's off the season-ending injury list. Right, That hooray. felt like a sign. I'm not going to lie to you. That felt like a sign. As soon as we were talking about it, we got that <laughs> notification. Felt like a sign. The universe was like, okay, I'm going to give you something, a gift. And that's what that was. Because this, this announcement was made before the game. And I think, honestly, the game drowned it out for me. But I was so excited to see that they're both healthy and hopefully getting back on the pitch soon. I'm excited for them. Sorry, I know I diverted, but I was like, you know what? Maybe that will help. <laughs> I don't think that's a diversion at all because the issue that we've been talking about can be some in some ways addressed with those two players. They have a different profile than kind of what the players that I was cataloging. You know, So I do think that it's, it is an important clarification. We don't know if they're going to be, when they're going, I won't even say if, when they're going to be 60 minutes fit, 90 minutes fit, those kind of things. And obviously you don't want to rush, you know, a mid-injury, mid-season knee injury. You don't want to have an issue where something pops back up, you push her too soon, and now she's gone, gone for the whole season. So you don't want that. And also an Achilles injury for Tori Huster, you don't want to push that either. Um, so I am hoping, and of course we have trust in the medical team that, that the Spirit have. So um, yeah, I'm excited. I think Tori Huster is a lot more creative um, as a player. She's very good on the ball. She's very good at making those little moves to free herself uh, from pressure and find space and passes. So that will absolutely help. And I would assume that her role is going to be midfield. I'm assuming both of these players will show up in midfield. Um, Bailey Feist as well. I thought she had a pretty good start to her season. So um, no, I'm glad you brought that up because it could be like a I won't, I won't, I was going to say right on time, but like right on time would have been like weeks ago <laughs> before we started getting our ass beat. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so I think a little bit to move on from this one, unless either of you wants to say anything more. Um, one outcome of this match is that, you know, Jorina got a yellow card and she already had a yellow card from an earlier challenge cup game. So she will not be available for the next one. Um, and that is this Friday, July 28th. It's Challenge Cup game at home for the Spirit against Gotham. Um, so I guess the questions for this are, who's going to take that six role? Because I I think that's really essential to this team. Um, and also, what can they do? How can we rebound? Got any thoughts, Joe? Well, I think kind of building off what we already said, to rebound, they just need to be a little better at adapting in-game and have way better passes, apparently, because I didn't realize it was that low. But I don't really have an answer for who could fill that spot because the way they've been moving around players through the lineup could be adding to the little, I don't want to say dysfunction, but the lack of, okay, maybe it is dysfunction. (laughs) Maybe the slight dysfunction in the game's I don't know. I am curious to see who is there, and I'm not against anyone specific, but I don't have like a specific name I'm pulling out of a hat. Yeah, my guess is it's going to be Mateo. He's kind of done that before with her. Um, although, if we can persist with the four-two-three-one, we'll see. You know, it might just be a a double pivot situation, and we'll see what happens with that. But 
yeah, I would I would probably assume Matea is going to be back there, um, and I guess they'll have to see who's uh, who's healthy to kind of start next to her because um, that'll be interesting. Um, maybe we get Dorian Bailey in a surprise you know midfield role again, even though I know he wanted her at right back, which is interesting because she flopped over to left back for this game as well to make way for Amber Brooks at right back. So like he's just having to plug holes in different ways, um, and I don't think she had a bad game at all. Um, just swapping sides, but um, probably needs her in midfield a bit more on the ball. She's a little bit more experienced and her passing is good as well. So maybe it is a matter of getting her in midfield. So um, yeah, I would, I would assume to see something like that, but who knows? I think it is going to be too soon for Feister Houston to start, but maybe they get some minutes in that game later on. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if that's a good fit necessarily for either of them, maybe Houston, but I mean, I, I think like we said before, this is this is a spot they're gonna probably need to look to get some depth at in the offseason. Um and it stinks for Zarina because I thought this is one of her best games in that position. Um I thought she was she did pretty well connecting passes, she was redirecting play a little bit, and I, I thought she was really performing well. So sorry, sorry to see her not not be available for this next one. Um although you know it's just one match, she'll be back. And thank goodness it is just Challenge Cup games for the next few weeks until mid-August. Of the starters, Inez did have the second high. Tara had the first, which but she had the second highest pass completion percentage of 75%, um, which, again, a little bit of best of the worst scenario. <laughs> but um, she is getting better. Um, that's mm-hmm. it's, But again, it's not really her game. So you do need to yeah. be able to like hold on to possession. But in terms of who's, who's going to be responsible for using the ball in an attacking sense, um, could use a couple others on the pitch that have that mindset. Okay. So let's move on from this a little bit um, and take a little break. And then I think we're going to talk about some of the new spirit players and uh, some spirits in the world cup. Do, do, do. That's the break music. <laughs> okay. Um, so as, as we talked about a little bit before, but, not much in depth. The Spirit has two uh, French signings coming in um, from Paris FC. We don't have pronunciation guides on them yet. Our best guesses are Ule Matassar and Anaïg Boutel. Um, and so we wanted to talk a little bit about their game and their potential contributions to the team. I'll be honest, I do not watch a lot of French ball, so I have not really seen them play. Um, but I might make Andre start first to talk a little bit about one or both of them and what your thoughts are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited by these two. I actually think, you know, so he, when I've talked to Parsons, he's been calling them Ule and Anna. So I guess we'll go with that, even though maybe I'll just go with Sar. Uh, Cause I think that's, that's not a hard one, but uh, Anna's last name. And even Anna feels like a wrong shortening of her actual name. <laughs> I feel like it, her actual like first name has a little bit more gravitas and, you know, no, no offense, Annie. But moving it down to Anna feels a little bit rude. Wow, you didn't even have um, to make that <laughs> like an analog. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so, like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested in this. I do think that you know Anna is 31, so you know, still a good age for the NWSL. Still plenty of of you know years to go in as a professional player. Sar is an interesting profile because she's pretty much in her peak like prime years she's 27 
Um, she'll turn 28, I believe, in October, uh, and she is in her peak year. So for me, this is kind of interesting, and these are good signings. Uh, Paris FC, I believe, finished fourth uh, in uh, D1 Arkema, which is uh, basically the French Women's League. Um, and that's uh, that's kind of impressive for them. Um, you know, the first two are always going to be <laughs> Lyon and PSG, almost seeming like no matter how much dysfunction PSG has, that's kind of what's going to happen. Apologies, Paris FC was third, not fourth. They were third, so right behind those two, those big two. The point, the point gap is substantial, but they're still topping the rest of the league, uh, bar those two teams. So that's important news as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested. You, you will be surprised to learn of the profile of Anna. She's a ball winner. Shock, shock and all. Uh, one thing that is interesting is that she's kind of a right-sided center back. So that would be Tara's position currently. So maybe some, either some depth there, competition there. Don't really know. Um, what's going to happen. It seems like Tara has been told that she's pretty much a center back now for the spirit. So don't know if bringing in Anna, if she gets like comfortable in the league, if they're just going to have them compete or move Anna back to the forward line. Don't know. We didn't expect Tara to be playing as a center back anyway, so I can't rule anything out. <laughs> um, but that was interesting when I noted that. Um, and there is some depth is important as well. Um, and especially for learning when you're learning a new position, having somebody else there, that can either take some minutes or, you know, perhaps give you another model to follow, um, which she is a experienced defender. So that might be interesting, but yeah, she, she pretty much primarily operates on that side. Um, pretty good at pressuring the ball as well. Does tend to foul a little bit. She's pretty aggressive. Um, so she does foul quite a bit. Um, so that is something to be worried about a little bit, um, in a, especially in a very transitional league. Um, even though the French league is, pretty athletic as well. Um, I still think the, the NWSL has a definite leg up on that in that advantage, but she's not going to be completely overwhelmed, which is kind of what I always, I'm always concerned whenever they're like WSL defenders that come over because defending in a WSL style is very different than the NWSL and that can be a problem. Uh, so yeah, um, but yeah, so she seems pretty solid. Before we move on from Butel, I just want to say one thing I keyed into on, when I was looking at her stats before this was that she's got good defensive stats, but also good passing stats. Ah, yes. She led her team last season with 83% passing completion rate, and she was second uh, for total passing distance. So could definitely bring that aspect to her play. I mean, again, I think like you mentioned, it's a little tough when your best passers are center backs, but... Any, any good passing. I'm, I'm willing to take it right now. <laughs> but also, I mean, if that's how we're going to play, then it's kind of important. You know, you want to have a, a, a threat from both of those sides of the, both sides of the pitch. So perhaps that's a possibility. I, that's good to hear. I'm not necessarily sure we can think that she's like another, like a right footed Sam Staub, but, but if she, you know, gives us something there and actually Tara's been pretty decent with some of her passing as well. So that's, that's something that she has, did tell me she wants to work on, but she's been doing okay at it. Just very different seeing the pitch from a back line versus a forward line. Um, but yeah, so Sar, uh, Ulamata Sar, 27 years old, quite good. I like her profile. Basically, she's a shot generating machine. She just finds ways to shoot the ball, <laughs> whether it's her uh, making a move, you know, getting by defenders. Uh, she is pretty good on her with her dribbling, but also very physical as well. Likes to 
kind of try to get in behind, likes to move around a bit in the box. She's very crafty in the box as well. Um, loves as well to assist. That's another fun thing about her is that she can score, but she can also assist. So she has pretty high successful box cross percentages, which is important. So if you end up as one of those wide forwards or one of the two forwards, and when we do play that 4-4-2, then she has a target that she's able to hit. And that's kind of good. She has a good track record of doing that. But yeah, she's all about being in the box and generating a lot of shots. And that's something that we've talked about for a while. It's one of my things with Ashley Hatch a little bit is that I love her game. I love the intensity that she brings to games. I think she is a very good like target forward. But the one thing about her game is that she doesn't consistently create her own shots. And that can be a problem when you're like the primary goal scorer, because then you're completely reliant on service. Um, and I think Sar is going to be a great compliment, especially in this particular period, uh, because she can develop her own shots, but she can also combine with another striker. So I'm very, very, very excited for Sar because her shot map is also hilarious. She'll take some shots from outside the box, but basically everything she scored is on the edge of the box and basically right central and in, in the box. And that's what we need. That's that's what you need. A target, a place to put the ball and somebody who can go and get it and put it in the back of the net. Um, kind of her deal. So I'm excited to see her. She also, and, and this is again, just because I'm looking at the stats, um, looks like she's pretty good defensively for a forward and wins a lot of aerial duels, which I think will fit well into the team. Cause I know that's, I mean, I think that's an area where the spirit is good already is on aerial duels. And, um, you know, to the extent that they're going to continue to incorporate that into the game a lot, it's good, good skill for her to have. <laughs> yeah, and can also play like as a left wing as well. So she's a left winger and she can play as a striker. So she's got that versatility in her game where she can kind of either go out wide if they're packing the box and cross problems and drag defenders out there, or she can go central um, and make runs uh, to get the ball and to make herself a, a tar- target in the box. So like, I really like that aspect of her game. She's been... She was kind of an interesting one. Wasn't necessarily on my radar, but once her name popped up, I was like, ooh, this is fun. Like, let's see, let's see if this can actually get done. And the good news is it did get done. And that that kind of makes me happy. It's a very interesting signing. So looking at her past two years at uh, Paris FC, she was at Bordeaux before that, but joined Paris FC in 2021. Uh, she had eight goals in her first season with them. Um, she had uh, 17 matches played, but came off the bench a bit, so she only had seven starts. But then she was basically a, a starter. She had 11 starts last year, uh, 19 matches played. She had the same eight goals, but added three assists as well. Uh, so again, a, a player who is still growing and developing, but where she is at, at in her prime, she's shown a consistent ability to score goals, um, play for Lille before Bordeaux, and she's only had one one season where her goal uh, scoring was below five, and that was just because she was struggling with injury in 2020 and 2021, uh, and that was only two starts with three matches played. So you can kind of forgive her some of that. But apart from that, she's been healthy and been a productive player scoring goals, but also assisting goals. So I'm excited. We want more goals. So happy. Please. Welcome to the team. Can't wait to see them start. <laughs> I mean, to see them play, you know. <laughs> Please score goals. That's the thing. If if we score goals, our defensive abilities will be heightened because then we'll it'll make the other the opposing team's attack a bit more predictable, a bit more hurried, a bit more rushed, and then you're able to able to react. So I'm, yeah, gotta get the ball right back into that more often. I think just thinking about them scoring is already pretty exciting. And like worst case scenario, they're just adding depth. 
like that's the worst case scenario and that just sounds really good. Also, I do want to hear them say their own names, which is totally unrelated to this, but I just need to know if we're saying it right. Yeah, we I'm do our best. That, yeah, we'll do our best until we get the pronunciation guide thing, which hopefully happens uh, fairly soon because that's important hopefully. to get their names right. And we, do we know, I think Andre, you had a little bit of info about they might be available soon for the spirit? Yeah, so uh, Mark Parsons did say that um, the week leading up to the game, they did, they were in some training. I don't know if they did a full training session. They may have done one, um, but they did not travel with the team. Um, but he said they will be with the team for uh, the game against Gotham. So we will see if they get on the pitch, because technically Fison Houston traveled to North Carolina, um, but weren't ready for minutes just yet. So we'll have to see. Um, those, those players, the other caveat is those players just played a full league season, uh, which ended in May. And so, of course, they will have to ramp themselves back up without, you know, giving them, starting them too quickly, too soon. Uh, that's how injuries happen. So may have to have a little bit of patience, but I would hope to see a debut or two in the next game or two. And that's, and that's from Houston and Feist, but also Saar and Anna. So We've got, got some interesting players to keep an eye on who might pop up in the next couple of games. Sounds good. Okay, our last thing we were going to talk about, and I don't think we need to go into a lot of depth, but just wanted to shout out our spirits in the World Cup. A number of uh, spirit players made their World Cup debuts or World Cup, you know, appearances uh, this past week. Um, should I just go through the list, I guess? Um, obviously, Marissa Shiva started for Ireland. Um, had a little bit of a tough game, but overall was good. You know, we love Marissa Shiva. Um, she had a great game until the penalty. (laughs) I know. I just, I think emotionally tough. I feel, yes. I feel so so bad bad for her. her I I love Shiva's game. She's so, I really like her and I'm I'm really sorry that happened. (laughs) Yeah. She, I feel like we're allowed to be biased right now. Cause like technically we're not talking about the spirit. We're just talking about their international play. So yeah, I felt bad. (sighs) Yeah, and I'm hope hopefully she's able to kind of put that behind her and come back. Um, I don't think this will come out before the second game for Ireland, but hopefully she'll you know have another strong game and, and even a better one uh, against Canada, which will be tough. But um, may get to play against her teammate Gabby Carl to be determined. Um, obviously for Panama, Riley Tanner played. Joe, did you uh, want to talk about her her game? I did spend half of the game just yelling for Marta to come in. But then when it did happen, I felt pretty neutral. So I can't even lie. I Like, it was spirit bias, but then also Marta bias. So I was like, I don't know. I After the game, I felt pretty fine. Like, I was, I didn't yell at any refs. I didn't yell at the TV. I was, I was honestly, like, the most neutral I've ever been watching a game. It was pretty good. And it was in a great game. So she did really well. I thought Tanner was quite good. Um, This was interesting. Obviously, Brazil, you know, did Brazil things. And that was exciting to watch from a a standpoint of people who root for Brazil, which would be me. Um, I want them to go very far in this World Cup. I'd love if Marta got a World Cup, be some storybook type stuff. But um, yeah, I thought that Panama had a very hard task to be the first team to play Brazil. 
at the World Cup. This is their World Cup debut. So showing up and being like, hey, play Brazil, who's like really on fire right now and has some of the best players in the NWSL all compiled together on their team. Um, that was tough. But Tanner substituted in in the 53rd minute. And do y'all want to know how she ended the match with the most shots from Panama? She had two. So that kind of lets you know how bad the Panama uh, found trying to find uh, chance creation opportunities. But I actually thought her shots were good. Uh, the one was deflected a little bit, took some pace off of it. But I, 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 I saw some sparks there. I was excited. I was like, yeah, Tanner. It definitely seemed like it was going to be a goal. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I was like, oh, my God. And then it didn't. And I was like, oh, it was – it definitely wasn't like a, oh, it just happened type of thing. It it definitely speaks on Brazil's defense and Riley Tanner's skills. So it was a pretty nice shot. And I'm only saying this because of how the game ended. If it had ended any differently, I would not be this neutral right now. I was looking ahead to their next game, and I forgot what a rough group they're in because their next game is against Jamaica. So, But without Bunny Shaw. Oh, true. Without Bunny Which Shaw. so a bit sad. I can't lie. It's... But maybe we'll get to see a Riley Tanner goal. So let's let's Which hold out hope for that. Which is a bit of an upside. But yeah, hopefully see her play again. Maybe we can get some more, more minutes. Um, and then finally, the U.S. women's national team, both Trinity Rodman and Andy Sullivan started and played a good amount of the game. Um, I thought Sullivan, Sullivan in particular had a really good game. Um, I just love our spirits. Any Anybody got thoughts on those two? Now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever seen a match where Andy Sullivan just didn't look like in control. Like even when the team is not doing well or even when they look frustrated, she just looks in control. And it's such an amazing thing to witness. Not that there was much of this game that had me like on the edge of my chair, just like nervous. But this game in particular, you could just really see it. Like when you're watching the spirit, it's a little different because like it's the spirit. It's it's different. It is. And then on the international level, it's like, holy shit, Andy Sullivan is so amazing. Yeah, um, I get a little frustrated hearing some of the chatter. I listen to a lot of Lino soccer podcasts and people who analyze the game. And I always get very concerned when they talk about Andy Sullivan because there's some 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 of them are like, I don't know what she's good at. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, do you watch the like I and I don't want to sound like one of the like because I trust what a lot of the they say when it comes to analysis, but I don't necessarily understand what they're not seeing. And I feel like it's possibly a part of Andy's cerebral nature um, a little bit in a game. If you don't, it's almost, and I think I did hear somebody say this, which, which I think was good analysis is that, you know, Andy Sullivan had a great game if the team moves well and you don't notice her because that's what she's there to do. She's just kind of there to, okay, suddenly, there's no counter. The counterattack was snuffed out, and now you're just excited about a chance that can be built, and the ball is rolling towards somebody who you're excited to see do something in that position. That's what Andy does. She's kind of that catalyst to kind of okay, stop it, and then move the ball, and or be in a position to receive the ball. Some you know a move isn't going to work out. Receive the ball, move it somewhere else, and she's very good at doing that. And I I thought it was a very good game from her as well. I also thought it was very notable that. He wanted to get Julie Ertz on the pitch as well. So he put her at center back as opposed to putting her on at defensive midfield. That gives me a slight bit of hope that that Blacko knows what Andy's best qualities are. Um, and hopefully he, it was her passing that he really wanted and knew he was going to need to rely on uh, from that sixth position. Um, but I also like 
I have to be, well, there are two things. One thing that was also interesting is that Ashley Sanchez didn't get in the game. And I thought that was, that was interesting. Um, Cause it was, it was Savannah DeMello who got the start, which her mind just be like, she must be having a hell of a time trying to figure out what the hell just happened in her life. Um, but I, I love her as a player, just a caveat that it's just like, maybe get players familiar in camps before World Cup, as opposed to being like, okay, you're starting your first game. Um, uh, but yeah, so, and then Roosevelt came in, and so no room for Sanchez until that was interesting as well to note. Um, and then also Robin scared the hell out of me uh, when she fell flat on her back like a minute in. That concerned Very the scary. hell out of me. Extremely. We yeah. we know she's suffered with some back issues kind of since her rookie season. And I just saw her face and how she was not moving and how she was... Yeah, uh, the pre replay made me cringe as, as well because it wasn't like vicious or anything, but it was a fall directly on her back. And that's a player you do not want to start. I mean, she is so young to have back issues would be just I get I get I get concerned when I see her take those kind of falls because she moves at such a rate of speed and the falls are not normal falls. <laughs> she, I don't know if she needs to take like a don't some players like athletes take some sort of martial arts to like learn how to fall. I think she might. Oh yeah, do definitely a like lot that. of them, and like ballet stuff. So when they fall, they know how to like turn and stuff. Yeah, so they land differently. I yeah. think an off season of that might help because sometimes it's just like back directly to ground, and it's like that's gotta hurt. Like that would hurt me. I'd need a minute, but given having like actual back problems, I was. I was concerned, but then she played the rest of the match and got pissed off when they tried to substitute herself. <laughs> like, she was so. I mad. guess she's okay. <laughs> I mean, she she went off, but she was mad. <laughs> yeah, she she's apparently she's been like that since her rookie year. They try to substitute her, and she gets pissed off. And I'm just like, Trent, can you just like have them just, rest? Is okay. It's okay. It's a long tournament. It's okay. I think she yeah needs a little training on what to do after foul because one want her to protect herself. Two want her to get the calls that she somehow never seems to get. Except oh, so annoying. she did get one this game. Yeah, and got a penalty kick from it. Drew that foul, uh, you know, nothing happened with it. Thanks a lot, Alex Morgan. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know who's taken penalty hey. kicks before? Who's good at them? Andy Sullivan. <laughs> 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 but that's, I think they should try her out. Now that we're like, we fleshed the thought out, because I have been thinking about it. One of the biggest takeaways from like how the U.S. Women's National Team does so well and why the spirit is like doing not so well right now is... Andy Sullivan's not captaincy, but leadership that's not really like verbal. Like you can see it in her eyes when she's like in the middle of a game. And you can like, you, well, you can also hear it because she's yelling all over the place. But yeah, maybe she should have taken it. Not biased take at all. Not biased at all. Listen, she deserves more respect. Andre's listening to these podcasts. I'm on Reddit, just doing like the <laughs> Arthur meme where he grips his fist. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of that happens. I'm just like, what? Why? 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 I get no. it. Different profile, but come on. One of the things is I feel like they're just comparing her to like the top goal scorers and they're like, oh, well, she's not doing anything. And I'm like, that just doesn't make any sense. Like you, if you truly watch her or if you truly like pay attention to the games that she's in, you understand that she's amazing at what she does. 
Well, with the national team, the biggest problem has been they compare her directly to Julie Ertz, and they are very different players. They don't even play the same. It makes no sense. Yeah, I'm just like, you. if you want a Julie Ertz clone, then you should probably have like Jalen Howell out there because that's as close as we got. Or try to com- try to find some, some way where like Lena Oberdorf can play for America. Like if you want like just a straight up <laughs> destroyer, that's what you need. But we have Sam Coffey, which is a different profile and very good, kind of a metronome sitting back there. You got Jalen Howell, who basically is just a midfield murder factory. And we have Andy Sullivan, who's great uh, at what she does, finding space, using her mind to kind of affect a game in a cerebral nature, still able to stop counterattacks. She's very good at reading those kind of plays when the ball is turned over. And she's pretty good. Like she's pretty high up there in pressure regains um, as well. But she's a pretty safe uh, outlet for the ball she realizes it's not on her to hit the hollywood ball but to get things moving and that's what she does a lot so yeah if you're just looking purely at her stats like i'm pulling up her little like stats bomb radar it's it looks good in terms of like pressure regain she doesn't turn the ball over uh she pressures the ball quite a bit you know she wins uh intercepts the ball pretty uh, above average amount but it's the other stuff that we just said that really doesn't show up in in that way and so you really kind of need to either go deeper in the stats or just watch a team without her such as the spirit (laughs) full circle (laughs) like I do love stats and I feel like stats do say a lot about a game and about a player but also there are things that happen before a play that stats just won't tell you and a lot of that is Andy Sullivan like what happened to build that play that caused that whatever stat you're looking at that you're saying that Andy Sullivan doesn't have and this just became into like an Andy Sullivan tangent and I'm all here for it but the point is she's amazing she had a great game and I will be rejoicing when she comes back to the spirit. Agreed. Very much. Um, we kind of called out for both other teams when the next games are. Uh, so U.S. play again Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Spirit are having a watch party at the bullpen. Um, their last one was really well attended. So I don't know if this one's going to be as crazy since it's not on a Friday night. But go out. Could be a good time. And go to the Challenge Cup game on Friday. And... Uh, <laughs> Give, give the spirit who are here the support they need. Please, they need it. Now we're begging. We're not threatening today. <laughs> I feel like we can't threaten after Please. that. <laughs> we're asking politely. We're asking politely. No more threats for the foreseeable future. Okay. Should we one, two, three, go spirits? We did it really well last time, and that was a surprise. I think we could do it again. Oh, okay. that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> oh, wait. Andre, you're going to be gone. Yes, I am. So, I'm leaving. He's leaving for the World Cup. Yeah, you made it sound so wait. vague the way you just worded it, though. Like that was, <laughs> I'm going to go. We knew, but they, that, that wording was so vague. Don't worry about where I'm going. No, um, yeah, it's <laughs> going to be the World Cup. Uh, going to New Zealand, Wellington to be specific, for two weeks. Leave pretty soon. It's going to be fun. Can't wait. Hope you have a great time, and Joe and I will do our best to continue until you're back. We will do our best. <laughs> okay, so one, two, three, go spirits. Go spirits. We did it again. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Remember to like, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. You can follow us on Twitter at Hey Spirits. And as always, go spirits. <laughs>